It's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show, where we can connect the dots between our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual selves. And you know, if 2020 taught us nothing more, I think it taught us the importance of staying physically healthy, keeping our immune system strong, and our inflammation level low. And what amazes me is that Physicians are not explaining this very well to most of their patients. You know, that we're hearing an awful lot about make sure you take a vaccine, whichever one you want. And of course, Johnson & Johnson right now is sidelined as well as AstraZeneca's. Um, so you have two to choose from. And I'm not telling people not to take the vaccine. I think if you need to take it, you need to take it. But beyond that, you need to look at how are you going to stay healthy for the rest of your life? Because there's going to be other things coming down the road and it's not going to be just COVID. So please, the next time you go for your physical, ask for a vitamin D as in dog test to see what your immune system looks like. You want that number to be above 70. Don't let them tell you that it should just be in a range. You really do need it 70 and above to fight off viruses or anything else. And you want a C-reactive protein test, which measures your inflammation. And you want that number to be a one or less. Um, fortunately, I use the products of uh, one of the companies that uh, is actually sponsoring the show. And it's called Boomers Forever Young. There's a link to it on my website. If you go to www.SynergyConnectionRadio.com, it's there. And you can get free consultations. You can look at their blogs. You can look at, they have a podcast now. You can uh, look at their testimonies. But um, for goodness sakes, you know, take responsibility for your health. You need to know about inflammation. You need to know about your immune system. And you need to understand that this is our responsibility as individuals to stay healthy. So um, that's the physical end of it. Because you know what? If you don't have the physical part of it going for you, it's really hard to connect those dots to the spiritual end of it, the intellectual end of it, and the emotional end of it, because you just don't have the energy. And we are 50 trillion vibrational frequency cells in a physical body. And so we want to make sure that we keep those cells as healthy as we possibly can. All righty. I have back with me um, a guest, which oh, the topic I am so excited about. Uh, we are going to be talking about communication with the afterlife. And uh, the person that is with me again is Candace Talmadge. And she's an inner shift specialist. And I'm going to let her tell you what that is in a couple minutes. She's been a professional writer since 1976. Uh, she's done syndicated political. Boy, I bet you would have loved to have been writing politically these last couple of years. If you weren't, I don't think you were, but goodness gracious, what a, a lot of stuff to write about for the last probably at least five years. Um, you've written full-time uh, or freelance for major print and online media, and you take your clients to meet their guides. How fun is that? 
to, to be able to actually take somebody and kind of hand them over to their guide. Now, I believe my guides are with me all the time. And I just have a huge frequency of orbs around me constantly these days. So I'm guessing that, you know, they're providing support. Maybe you can fill me in on that. So uh, let's start by saying that um, I would love, you know, to know how you actually do this inner shift specialization. That just sounds so fascinating to me. So what does that mean? Well, first, uh, Lucy, thank you for inviting me back to your show. I greatly enjoyed our discussion last time, and I'm hoping we'll have the same good discussion this time. Oh, I'm sure we will. <laughs> when you talk about inner shift, or when I talk about inner shift, what I'm really talking about is changing your inner emotional landscape. Um, I believe that your consciousness is sort of like an inner ecosystem. And people mistakenly believe that emotions are what gum up the works and that somehow if we just didn't run around and have emotions, every, everybody would be much better off. But that's misunderstanding the role of emotions. Okay. We, we live out of our hearts. Um, you know, in a battle between the mind and the heart, the heart is going to win every time. And that's because in our hearts, and there literally is a space in our consciousness um, where all of self meets, and it's in the heart. I mean, Gary Zukov wrote an interesting book called The Seed of the Soul, which theorized that the brain is the seed of the soul. Not so. The heart is the seed of the soul because that's where all of self meets or at least wants to meet in that heart, in that heart chakra. And everybody has a garden there. And one, the only thing that really pollutes consciousness and gums up the works is self-judgment. So when my clients have an inner shift, it's because they have become aware of a self-judgment, examined it, made a new decision, let it go and taken back their power. And that literally shift your world great deal there's you don't need to do anything else if you just do that it starts a huge process of greater self-awareness and healing at every level of self so that's what i mean by inner shift you shift your awareness by releasing self-judgment reclaiming because when you judge against yourself you throw out a bit of your energy field or your power or however you want to call it and you can't use it, but you need it. And usually you judge yourself in relationship with another soul and you take on some of their energy and they take off some of, of your energy. So what I do as a Sunon therapist is help people untangle their energies and take back their energy, give back the energy to the souls they have had issues with and become more at peace with themselves. And the really neat thing, Lucy, is that this can happen even if the people with whom you have issues are not in a physical body, they're quote unquote dead, all right? And I, I agree with Seth, you know, in, in the eternal validity of the soul, Seth, that marvelous soul, said you are as dead now as you're ever going to be. <laughs> and that is really the truth. We, the only thing that dies at physical death is the physical body. Your mental, emotional, and spiritual awareness 
are eternal. They are an energy field that goes on. You go into a different dimension or a different plane. I mean, you know, use whatever word makes sense to you. I'm not going to argue with it. You just simply go somewhere where your physical body is no longer. All right. So that's, that's what happens when you quote unquote die. So I, the problem is that, that if you want to communicate with someone who no longer has a physical body, well, you can't really sit down across the table from them and have a cup of coffee and a chat and you can't pick up the phone or do a zoom meeting with them because they don't have a physical body anymore. So afterlife communication becomes a process of becoming aware of what your soul senses really are for. One, they are to communicate with those no longer in a physical body and native cultures tend to call them elders. Mm. All right. That's really what they're talking about. Not just the physical elders in physical bodies, but the ones who have passed on those elders too. a vast reservoir of, of wisdom and life experience, even though they're no longer in a physical body. So your, your soul senses are for doing that and therefore communicating within you to your deeper regions. Um, I think it's kind of a waste of time to try to use your soul senses or psychic senses or intuition or whatever, again, whatever label you like, I'm not really stuck on it. I call them soul senses because that's how I think of them. People want to predict the future. And the problem is that you can predict and be perfectly accurate in your prediction. But if the intention or actions of anybody involved in that particular future you predict, if that changes, then the future may well be different. So you really, predicting is kind of pointless, in my opinion, in a universe based on free will, where you really, your decisions, your level of self-awareness, your level of self-love determine what happens to you in this physical world, because that really does mirror back to you where you are mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. All right. So you want to, you know, and, and if you, you were talking about what 2020 has taught us, well, to me, the whole tragedy of the pandemic is that a lot of people lost loved ones, you know, their physical bodies died and they had no way to say goodbye because they weren't there. And it was just very quick, um, very brutal, very abrupt. And there is unfinished emotional business. And very often communicating with those people, those souls, even though they're no longer in physical bodies, is a, is a healthy thing to do because you want very much just simply to say goodbye. I love you. I'm sorry. I, you know, whatever you want to say, that is the perfect reason for using you know, communicating with, with what, I, what I call the other side or souls not in physical body. Hmm. So what is the typical reaction when you, when you introduce somebody to their guide or to maybe not a guide even, maybe it's a loved one that wants to communicate with them? How, how does that kind of work for most people? Well, what what we do, the, the approach that we take, and again, there are, there are many approaches to doing this, all mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, Dr. Raymond Moody, who's very well known in the afterlife circles, 
best-selling author, uh, advocate something called the psychomantium. And that's a way for you to get in touch with souls on the other side. Mm -hmm. um, you can go to a medium and that's another way. And I think that people go to mediums because what they don't trust, see the whole, the whole irony is that those soul senses, your intuitive side, we are conditioned and programmed not to trust it because it is not logical. And apparently if it's not logical, then it's not valid. <laughs> which is this nonsense because there's there's a there's a place for logic believe me i want someone who's very left-brained if she's designing a bridge that i'm going to drive my car across but there are things the left brain cannot do one of those is healing at every level of our being physical mental emotional and spiritual that we need the soul senses for and it's those soul senses that we use to connect with the other side so what Jana and I did, Jana was my spouse until she died last year. And what Jana and I did was something that we called the healing circle. And it's literally a small group of people, four or six people, maybe, to include, and it includes a person who needs to contact someone who's no longer in body. And the reaction of and what we do, our process literally enables people to get in touch with their own intuition, get information about this soul for themselves with the help of, and support of a small group of people who are going through the same healing circle experience. And what this does, I kind of like to borrow from, from Mark Twain um, it's the difference between lightning and the lightning bug, because when you get this information for yourself, instead of relying on a reading or a medium or whatever, it is so much more powerful because suddenly you realize that, yes, you got in touch with your sister or you got in touch with your long lost grandmother or your dad or whomever, and they're aware, they're okay, and you can feel their love right back. And that is extremely powerful in helping you be reassured that you're not going, you, this person, this beloved person is not lost to you forever. And if that's the one thing that I could convey to whoever listens to us is that even though you may not have been able to say goodbye, even though the death may have been unexpected or abrupt or not within your, your, you know, you weren't there. You have not lost this soul forever. You have just parted company for a time and you can connect with the soul and you can, of course, when you leave your physical body, you can always go back with this soul. So it's very reassuring for people. It, Relief, I think, is what most people, a lot of emotion, very deep, profound emotion, but it's it's the emotion of joy more than sorrow and mm. relief. Oh my goodness, I did it. I, I got, they're, they're still okay. That is, that kind of reassurance is there's nothing like it and it's priceless, literally. Yeah, I, I was thinking, um... Many years ago, there was a movie called The Goodbye Girl. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was a song in it that said, goodbye doesn't mean forever. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is part of that reassurance because 
the majority of people, you know, even though they may go to church and, you know, practice some type of spiritual belief, there is that doubt, you know, is this all there is? And so when somebody leaves that physical body, you know, wondering, will I ever see or feel um, that individual's energy again? And I know you're familiar with the uh, rainbow bridge for animals. And most of us, you know, have lots of animals in our lifetime. And supposedly they're all lined up there. And as we, you know, move into that spiritual world, they're all there to say hello to us. Um, but we don't have that same understanding, I don't think, of humans, you know, that they'll all be there and we'll recognize their energy. You know, it's not like, oh, you look like you did when you were 20 or, gee, you, you know, look like you're five years old, <clears throat> but it'll be their energy that we recognize immediately. Is that the way you understand it? That's very close. Yes. Um, you might see or feel, but yes, it will be the energy because you'll, you'll, it'll be, it'll be familiar. That's how, you know, when we meet somebody um, and we just have this, I know you from somewhere, <laughs> what you, what you're really reacting to is on a, on an unconscious or soul level, you are recognizing an energy vibration that you are familiar with. And that's, that's basically what that is all about. Um, you know, cause we do, we come back, um, we come back and we hook up with people, uh, in various phases of our lives and we've had go rounds with them before. All right. So, and, and they come support us at various phases or we have develop a lifelong relationship with them because most of us are smart enough to know that this physical dimension is challenging to say the least. And if we can be in the company of souls who have supported us in the past, it makes things just a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah, I, I will share with you. I had a past life reading done uh, at the end of 2020 and I had never had one done before. So I had no idea what to expect. And it was so real um, because, you know, I mean, it, there was like a little bit of a countdown and then, boom, you know, it was like, okay, where are you? And it felt like I was in, um, you know, a place like Maine, it, you know, it was north, and it was east, I knew that, it turns out it was what is now Nova Scotia. And the village that I was in, I could see it very clearly. And I had to really do some some research to find the kind of structures, because uh, in just the historical books, it wasn't showing me. And then I did find it. And I went, Oh, that's it. I could see the window was very recessed. It was, you know, like a small uh, stone cottage. Um, and, and I was a Viking, I was a Viking wife. But you know what was really interesting is whatever we are, I guess, in this lifetime, we have been in many different lifetimes. And I was a healer then. So, and I'm a healer now. Um, I can heal energetically. Um, and I can heal, you know, on an emotional level as a psychotherapist, but more importantly is I was trained and I could see the person that trained me. She was very tiny and she chose me at five to start mm -hmm. training me, uh, to be a healer. So I knew all about herbs. I knew all about, you know, different kinds of plants and, uh, things that would be healing to Vikings who might be injured in battle or out hunting. So it was so, so fascinating to see all that. And it just seemed like I was watching a movie about me. 
Yes, and you're right. Whoever we were in the past, we are now. And what I like to do is when I take people into past lives, for one thing, it really helps you cement the awareness that, well, hey, um, I've survived that life and here I am again. So probably I'm, you know, I'm a survivor. You know, there is, there is life after life and life before life, as they say. <laughs> so that's one thing. That's one real good thing I find I like about, about past life. What I do is past life resolution. Uh-huh. Um, and I go for certain issues. I mean, if, 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 if there's a past life that comes up, it's because there's something there that would help you and free you and, and he help heal you at, at the emotional level. And, and so we'll go and find it mm-hmm. and lift it up and look at it. And in fact, I'm going through that process right now for, for me, because of course my, my spouse and uh, therapist is no longer in a physical body. So I, I sort of <laughs> do my own past lives, but that's one of the things about that I love about the approach that I take is that it does teach you healing, um, healing method that you can literally take and use for yourself. Mm. So that's a good thing. That, that is. Um, did you recognize her name was Jana, right? Yeah, she's my co-author. Um, okay. You know, that, so did book. you recognize her when you first met one another and knew that you had been together in other lives? I had a very interesting reaction because Jana was teaching, co-teaching a class that I wanted to take. Uh, so it was on using your soul senses. Gee, what a surprise. <laughs> um, so I had talked to her on the phone, but when I finally got to where she and her partner, you know, at the time her co-teacher were, were going to do the class. The first thing I did, I looked at her and said, wow, she is a lot like Judith. Now, Judith is one of the characters in the fiction series that I have written. And yeah, Jenna was, turns out Jenna was Judith because that fiction series is based on several of my past lives and the past lives of friends and family. Um, so yeah, turns out I met Judith again in this lifetime and it was a very important, it was the most important relationship I've had in this particular lifetime. And we have had many, many relationships in many lives over thousands and thousands of years. That is really, really fascinating. So tell the story. I don't know whether this is a good time, but tell the story of how um, you sort of encountered her energy recently as uh, she came back to visit. Well, it was back in July of 2020. I was fortunate in the sense that when Jana died, she died here at home and I could say literally goodbye to her, all right? Um, I was lucky. A lot of people with COVID did not have that. And I know how much that hurts. So you want to say goodbye. So that was on a Friday night and Jenna was always a night owl. So she zipped out at just shy of midnight. And that over that weekend and then um, the following Monday, literally three days later, I was, it was late at night. I was brushing my teeth upstairs and I heard the front door open and close. And it was locked, I'm sure. Yes, it was locked. It was night. I was going to bed. <laughs> so I, you know, I finished brushing my teeth and I went, hmm, I think I better go check. 
but I knew what had happened, but I thought, okay, I'll go check. So I went downstairs. Nope. Nobody's downstairs. Nobody's in the garage. Door is still locked. But Jana came back. She came back and she has come to me at least twice in dreams. Um, when we used to, it's funny about that. We used to do the healing circle back. This is back in the eighties. We would do the, the healing circle and the people who were happy and, and emotional and saying, thank you so much. And then they go, well, what am I going to say to my family? Cause this, you know, all this woo woo stuff. And Jenna said, you know, you know, just tell your, tell your, whatever your, your family that they came to you in a dream, you know? So that was what we told them if they felt awkward about saying, yeah, I, I contacted the dead, <laughs> you know? Um, so we would just say, Hey, they came to your dream. And in a sense they did. And, you know, so that was how we, we got past that, but I don't think things have changed so much. And there have been so much shift in the world over communicating with the dead, understanding that everything is energy and that consciousness is energy and you can communicate. There's a lot less, um, it's considered a lot less strange these days. What makes you think in, in your own mind, and I would agree, I, I think Dr. Raymond Moody helped um, make that path. You know, when he wrote the book, Many Lives, Many Masters, I don't know whether that was his first or second, you know, book after he realized that people, you know, that patients of his um, actually were able to quote, you know, conversations. Uh, I remember one part of that book, and I don't exactly know whether it was in the middle or where it was, but there was a patient that said there was a red tennis shoe that somebody had left out on a ledge and she was floating above the hospital where she had clinically died and she could see that red tennis shoe. And so she reported that to him in one of their sessions, you know, after the fact, and he went up and sure enough, that red tennis shoe was still out on that ledge. So, I mean, you can't make these things up, you know, they, they exist. And some of them are, are very, um, as you would say, logical uh, and yet not, you know, I mean, if you find a red tennis shoe, it's there. But um, I, you know, I, I remember years ago, probably about 25 years ago, I was working with a widow and widowers group in uh, Wisconsin. No, uh, actually in St. Louis. And this particular woman wanted to sell her car, uh, one of the cars, I guess, that her husband maybe had had. And the title was missing. And she and her son went through everything that they could possibly think of. And they still couldn't find it. And so the son leaves and she walks into uh, the bedroom that she and her husband had shared. And she, I, she told me very clearly he was in the corner. His, you know, she could tell that there was a form there and it frightened her. And he sent energetically a message saying, get a step stool. What you're looking for is in the top of the closet. So she called her son and she said, get over here immediately. He told me where it was. And then she explained everything. And sure enough, there was like a shoebox, and he had put some documents. And one of the documents was the title for this car. So I think it's just utterly fascinating that we have that ability to bridge the physical with the spiritual. Um, 
and so you know the healing end of it is amazing because if you think that you're going to be reunited at some point then death no longer holds fear and and for yeah. most people it's very scary to think i'm existing i'm in pain and then i'm gone and where do i go did you happen to see the movie the shack did i happen to see which movie the movie called the shack it was a book and then they made it into a movie did you ever see it no i have never seen that oh my gosh well i would encourage you to find the book you know order it maybe just online or something and if you can i'm just trying to think how you would find the movie it might be on demand or maybe you could uh you know go on amazon and order it as a dvd if you have a dvd player i'm i'm not sure um it's several years old now i'm going to say that it's probably about i don't know maybe 10 years old so you don't know the story behind it this this is so cool um a husband and wife she was a nurse he was a writer at least on a part-time basis kind of handyman but he was a very very good writer and so every uh, around thanksgiving he would write something for his family for Christmas. And most of the time it would be like 35, 40 page short story, right? And he hadn't gotten around to it and it was now Thanksgiving and his wife kind of gave him a kick in the butt and said, hey, you need to write this, you know, our Christmas gift. So he goes in a couple of days later and, you know, you probably do this, I do this, but when I write, the story's already there. I just am in front of the keyboard and it comes out and it's like I'm downloading it. Mm -hmm. And then you make corrections, you know, here and there, but the story is there. So that's what happened to him. He ended up writing instead of 35 or 40 pages, it was like 250 pages. Um, and what happened next was everybody loved it at Christmas time, shared it with friends and family of theirs. And there were orders that started coming in and, you know, because it was like a book. And so he and two of his friends took their credit cards and they spent $10,000 and ordered, you know, like a thousand books and thought it would take them years. And instead it was like months and they were sold out. And so then he had enough money to actually order without putting it on a card. You know, it was like a, a bank card of, of sorts at that point. Well, this happened three more times. The book has sold way over 5 million copies. And it is a story about um, a husband and wife, and they have three children. And what the littlest girl uh, is killed by a person that they call the ladybug killer. And it's really about his coming to grips with her death. And, and I said, Whoopi Goldberg should have been God, but there's a character that plays God in it. There's a, mm -hmm. a character that plays the Holy Spirit. Uh, and Jesus. And so they're all working with this particular man to help him process the death of his daughter. And at the very end, it's a, it has a beautiful ending. So I would encourage you to maybe find the book or at least maybe look for the, the movie. Um, mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. And I, and I do think it is one of those things, again, where, you know, death itself can be brutal, um, no matter whether it's through an illness or an accident or 
you know, a homicide. Uh, it, it, I mean, our lives will end at some point, but it's, it's what goes in between, you know, they refer to it as the dashes, you know, birth and death. What is between the dash that is your life and how spectacular that can be? Yes, absolutely. Hmm. Well, I did a lot of talking. Let's get back to you for a minute. Um, so this healing circle that you have, is that, um, you know, like, I don't know how to say it, always the same people? Or do you have, you know, like they're in it for a while and then they leave and somebody new comes in? No, really what healing circles, the way Jan and I ran them was simply, it, you would have someone called the inquirer. This is the person who wants to get in touch with a soul no longer in a physical body. Mm -hmm. And how we usually had that was it would really, sometimes we would invite clients or students to sit in on one. And we would also allow the inquirer to bring a best friend, you know, or a, or a trusted relative, uh, because that would make the inquirer more comfortable. And again, it's, it's not a big group, four to six, possibly eight, but you don't want a lot of people when you do a healing circle, because if you have a lot of people, you know, more than about six or seven, then everybody waits for somebody else to get the information and nobody talks. And the first part of the circle is calling the soul in and letting the soul provide information that only the inquirer and the soul are likely to know, which reassures the person who is wanting to, to get in touch with the soul that yes, the soul in the circle is the soul this person wants to, to talk to. And then the second half is just, hi, letting it go. And what all the people around and in the circle are there for is to get information and to provide emotional support. And, you know, most people do have problems trusting what they get intuitively. And that goes for not only inquirers, but for people in the circle. So it always helps Jana would be what the person we call the conductor, who's basically sort of anchoring and leading the, the circle. And I would be in there getting in any information and verbalizing it. So that would pump the flow and more information would come. And it, like I said, it was, it, it's always very emotional. And when the inquirer realizes, yes, this soul is here and now she or he can say anything that he or she needs to, Boy, is that a, that's a load off. It really is a relief and we go for it. And nobody, you know, everybody, everybody cries because it's just emotional. It's wonderful. And it's a, it's a celebration really that life goes on, even if in, in a different way and that there are no forever parties of loved ones. Hmm. And that's, that is something to set, like I said, it's something to celebrate. Oh, I would think so. Absolutely. Um, have you had a healing circle with you and Jana? Uh, I might at some point, but I am pretty much trust my intuition so I can talk to Jana and I get feelings and, and intuitions and I know that she's responding. And like, like I told you, she's come to me twice in a dream over the months since she's she has passed on. What does she so, say when she comes to you? Mm -hmm. What does she say, if I can ask, you know, when she comes to you? 
she really doesn't say anything much except she hugs me and I can feel her love very strongly. Is it in and, the middle of the night or is it any time during the day? Well, one time it was at night when I was dreaming and another time it was during a meditation. I wasn't asleep asleep, but I was meditating and she would, she would come in. She came in and said, hi, I love you, you know? So the whole, my knowledge, my certainty in my heart and soul that she is not, that I will see her again, I'll be with her again. That has taken the anguish and of, because face it, there is a loss. You lose, when, when the physical body dies, you lose the physical presence of that person in this world because that's what the body does. It is a focal point and anchor point for consciousness to be in this physical reality. Mm-hmm. And when that is gone, then it becomes more of a challenge to communicate. And again, it's most souls have been conditioned and programmed, don't believe this stuff. It's not logical. It's irrational. It's crazy, blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that. So it's a very, it's, it's, it's a life's work often to push that aside and become more balanced. And by that, I mean, aware of your intuition and your intuitive promptings and blending those with the logical side. Because it's not either or, it's both when one or the other is appropriate. Now, I I know for a lot of people, um, and and you've already said, you know, you and Jana had many, many different lives together over, I think you said thousands of years. Um, And so do they wait for you to join them before you come back? kind of as a joint agreement that you'll find each other again? Or how, how does that part work? It very much depends on the agreement between the two souls. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how, it's, how we do it because some, those agreements are often made at a very deep level that you are not consciously aware of. So I'm, as far as I'm with Jana, I'm just trusting that it will, it will happen and we will be together at some point. Um, I'm doing all I can right now to resolve stuff that I couldn't resolve when she was still here, fears that I still have and that I'm letting go of so that I can be in a better space. I mean, because my fears, (laughs) like any couple, we had our issues and my fears used to drive her absolutely nuts. Um, but it was just me. It was my, my issues, my stuff. So Right now, I'm just spending that time, the time I'm here now, uh, doing my writing, um, working on myself, focusing on healing. Um, and of course, since we're all, you know, still under more or less COVID restrictions, I, you know, you hang out, you don't go anywhere. Um, Has that made it easier or tougher for you? All the restrictions? What, all the restrictions? Mm-hmm. Well, in a sense, I would still be under restrictions even if we didn't have COVID because I have had two rounds of transverse myelitis. And that was all about not wanting to move into a new space. All right. Because it made, I, uh, I, both times I, I, my legs became very weak and it's left me with, um, stiffness 
tightness in my lower legs and feet and I can't drive very safely. So right now I don't drive. So I'd be languishing here at home anyway. But in some ways it's made it easy because um, there are programs that help people who are, you know, older and stuck at home and all that kind of stuff. So it's worked out well for me. Yeah, I, I would say that um, I think the challenges for a lot of families, I mean, it goes across the board, you know, grandparents that haven't seen grandchildren and, you know, yes. friends and travel is so restricted. And, but like you said, I, I also know that people that are staying at home, they're discovering, you know, other assets maybe that they have, like they actually like to cook or maybe there is a skill that's emerging that they didn't even realize they had artistically or musically or something. And so COVID, you know, has brought in restrictions on one end, but it may have opened up possibilities on another end. And that part has been very interesting. Yes, and I totally agree with you. It just, it really depends. You can choose to be upset about it, um, and rail against this, that, and the other thing. Or you can say, okay, we're stuck at home. <laughs> How do we make this the best? You know, what do we do? How do we make the best of it? Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it is a challenge. It, it's, it's, it is, a, I, I acknowledge that it, people are lonely and that's really, I mean, you know, my heart goes out to them. I happen to know that I'm not alone. I have spirit guides. Um, I have also neighbors who are wonderful and helpful. Um, so I don't know. It's just, I, I am choosing to try to focus on whatever positive and whatever hopeful that I can find, even in the situation of losing my life partner, because the alternative is just too, it's just too painful and unbearable. And I don't want to go down that road. Right. Right. I would agree. Uh, journaling, I would think, you know, would be extremely beneficial for a lot of people, you know, during these times right now, uh, especially if there has been major losses, uh, grandparents maybe that were in nursing homes that they didn't say goodbye to or, or spouses, for goodness sake. And, you know, your, your case, it wasn't a COVID death, but like you said, you know, a lot of people, they ended up in the emergency room and they never saw them again. You know, they, you know, went on, yeah. um, ventilators and and whatever and and that was the end of their lives so i i would think you know journaling your feelings at least the feelings are not stuck inside where they're doing damage and they're maybe on a piece of paper or in a journal book or you know something uh where you can kind of look at them do you find that to be true with some of your clients well i think that that some people are not writing intimidates a lot of people. So I don't, I think it's good for some people who are not intimidated and they just scroll it down. So I just tell, I just tell people do whatever feels right for you. Even if you just have to go out and take a walk by yourself or <clears throat> excuse me, or write something in a book or, you know, bake a cake, like you said, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever helps you feel good about where you are and right. gives you hope. Right. That's what I think you should focus on. 
You know, one of the things that um, a couple of my friends, you know, even if they just have a porch, they don't have a yard, you know, to go plant something in, but planting something and watching it grow, you know, has made a difference for some individuals. Um, I started some things from seed. One of them is, is referred to as a purple moon flower. I don't know whether you've ever seen them or not, but they're in the doctora family. And so from what I understand, they have medicinal purposes, but you have to handle that part with care. But it is the most exotic looking bloom. And Mm -hmm. it starts out, honest to goodness, it looks like a little blade of grass. You could never in a million years believe that from that tiny little blade of grass, this big, beautiful plant would come. And the size of the bloom, it only usually has one bloom at a time, but the size of it is immense. I mean, you know, the one that's out on the porch right now that opened a few days ago, they don't last very long once the, it's not like an orchid, so it doesn't stay around for a long time. But um, I think from the, the base of it, it's probably about three inches long at least. And it's mm-hmm. purple and cream color when they open up. It, it's a stunning bloom. And um, so, you know, maybe trying a little gardening or start an herb garden or maybe start, uh, you know, just anything that requires care and gets you outside of yourself. I am, um, when Jenna died, I inherited the two Tillandsia plants that she. Uh, my nephew gave her for her birthday back in 2018. And unfortunately, Harry, the smaller one, pretty much went belly up not long after Janet died. But Sally, the larger one, um, is still there, although she's very old for a Talonsia plant. So I'm nurturing a geriatric Talonsia plant. <laughs> um, and it's fun. I mean, I know how to do it now. And I soak her every so often. And I spritz her with orchid food. And you know, she looks a little livelier, but she's, she's fading, but I keep her, you know, Hey, you know, all of us geriatrics got to stick together, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and plants like to be talked to. (laughs) Oh yeah. I say good morning to her every morning and stroke her, you know, send her love and nurturing her is another way of, of, for me of recognizing that I'm nurturing me too, all right? It's not either or, I care for her and I'm caring for me. And that's something else that I think a lot of people need permission to do is to just take care of themselves um, in a way, in whatever way suits them. I mean, there's no one right, right way to do that. It's whatever, like I said, brings you peace, um, gives you hope, uh, delights you uh, whatever that's, that's good. That's good for you. That's, that's stuff that will get you through. You know, when you talk about afterlife communication from somebody who you loved that is no longer, you know, in physical form, do messages ever come through, you know, that maybe do provide that guidance, you know, like you're headed in the right direction, keep taking more steps in that direction, you know, some sort of guidance that way. Cause I don't think they'll necessarily say, go do this, but the orbs that are around me, I, I mentioned to you earlier, I have so many of them that are, you know, I can turn my phone into wherever I am and take a picture and there'll be one or two, you know, big orbs there. 
and mm-hmm. other people will do the same thing and they're not there. So I know that they're present, but they all seem like they're just happy. I was at um, a beach uh, in the Sarasota area about a month ago. And it was so strange because these two girls, they were in their twenties, um, you know, they were standing doing handstands out on the beach. And um, so we, you know, my friend and I decided to take a picture of them doing these handstands with the waves rolling in behind. And it was more like a silhouette and we, you wouldn't believe it, but there was an orb right in between mm-hmm. them, you know, saying, hello, we're glad you're here. So um, what do your guides, you know, you say you've got them around you and what do other people, you know, what do their guides kind of share with them maybe? Well, of course, guides have to share Mostly guides uh, have a great deal of frustration because they will send um, the people they are with messages and the people will brush it off as just their imagination, all right? <laughs> yep. And I'm, th- I'm like, yes, yes, it's your imagination. It's still valid, even if it is your imagination. <laughs> you know, don't, don't cut yourself off from the emotional and spiritual, you know? Embrace it. Let it support you. Let it come around you. Um, but they they don't really recognize uh, when it is a message from your guide because so we there are four ways to get intuitive message you know visions feelings what I call knowings or awareness and and an understanding or even you know whispers and and voices in your head and I'm not talking about crazy I'm just talking about comments or uplisting suggestions um and you know if you're hearing voices in your head about killing yourself or killing other people that's not your spirit guides i can guarantee you that's when you go seek help right but no these might be voices more of support of love of encouragement but people don't trust it because it's well you know it's not physical and it's not rational so one of the things that that i try to help people with is beginning to trust their intuitive messages and they won't always be accurate okay it's like you don't always add a a string of numbers and get the right sum it doesn't mean math is no good it means you made a mistake you're human congratulations okay all right so it's really a process of beginning to open up trust listen see pay attention to your intuitive promptings and Everybody has two stronger channels and two weaker channels. And I can guarantee you, you are getting intuitive information constantly through your your stronger channels. And you think, oh, that's just the way I think. That's normal. Well, for you, it's normal. So sometimes when guides are really desperate, they'll go through your weaker channels and then you'll pay up because you're, you're used to seeing things and suddenly this knowing pops into your head or you're used to that knowing and suddenly you see something because it's not your strongest channel of intuitive communication. So your guides are always constantly with you, always trying to encourage you, even if you are not consciously aware of it or you're vaguely aware of it, but don't quite know what to do with it. Um, My suggestion is stop, pay attention to it and be open. Yeah, I think that's um what's happened over the last year for me, um, you know, because I tended to be 
a little more factual. I've always been highly, highly intuitive, but you know, if, if I couldn't figure out the reason, you know, then I kind of, you know, backed up and said, well, you know, it might not be that accurate, but I think I shared with you uh, maybe in the first show we did together that when my husband was in ICU, I got a very clear message, you know, as a healer to put my right hand on the top of his head, my left hand on his heart. And they had told me he had an hour and a half to live because his oxygen level was only 78%. And oh, they, yeah, they could not remove the fluid from his heart. He had 500 cc's of fluid crushing his heart. And so they said, you know, he has about an hour and a half to live. So I heard that message and I, I didn't question it. It was like, okay, I will do that. And whenever I'm doing any healing work, I typically just get very quiet. So I got quiet, you know, with my hands in the right position. It took 30 seconds was all it took to go from 78% oxygen to 98% oxygen. Of course, it rang in the ICU medical area. So they came running down. I still was in position. And they said, what are you doing? And I said, energy work. And they said, well, we don't understand that, but we can take your husband to surgery now. And so he lived another three and a half years because mm -hmm. his oxygen level was such that they could go do the surgery to take the fluid off his heart. So I do think, you know, we're constantly guided um, if we are open to hearing or seeing. And that's, we have to get out of our own way in that respect. We have to be able to say, I may not understand this in human form because I'm in this virtual body suit, but my energy understands it. And, you know, so I'm going to trust that 50 trillion energetic cells that are inside this virtual body suit to say, yes, pay attention. We're happy that you're going in this direction. Keep going that way. Mm-hmm. And that's that it, what you'll find, this is a process because the more you trust your intuition really means the more you trust yourself. Mm -hmm. And the more you trust yourself, the more authentic and self-realized life you can live. Um, I, I am, I trust myself to know what is best for me. Um, I don't advocate it for anybody else, but I know what is best for me and what my body can tolerate and what will help me. And the more I live, the longer I live, the more I realize I, that's the only thing I can rely on because nobody knows me like I do. I've been, I've been, been in this body for, you know, six plus decades. So I know I'm aware of it. So I, I really encourage everybody to just, you know, sit back, open up, and let your intuitive side make itself known to you because it doesn't operate like your mental side. I mean, when you're in school, you're taught that you learn by pushing and concentrating and reading a book or listening to a quote-unquote expert. Well, your intuitive side is exactly opposite. You relax, put your feet up, and just chill. That's when you get in touch with your intuitive side. You don't try, you don't try not to stop, try, you just allow it. Mm -hmm. You know, what's interesting too is our intuition is probably almost 100% accurate all the time. 
uh, when we get into the intellectual part of it. And unfortunately, 95% of the time, we're functioning on a daily basis in the intellectual part, you know, driving a car, shopping, you know, balancing our uh, checkbooks, I mean, whatever we might be doing, it, it resides more there than it does intuitively. And so, um, and yet, our, there is a place called HeartMath Institute, you're probably familiar with it, but um, they have done a tremendous amount of research on the fact that we have about 40 uh, million little cells in just our hearts alone that are brain activated. Our, our heart does control our brain much more than what we think and guides us. <clears throat> so they've done, if you haven't ever um, checked them out, you know, just go to heartmathinstitute.org, I believe. And it's 20, 30 years of research uh, looking at how trees assist each other and plants assist each other and, you know, these vibrational frequencies that we all have. So, well, I'll tell you what, this has been such fun to, uh, and the hour is gone already. <laughs> so we just fly through this. Um, explain how people can get hold of you, Candace, because they may, you know, need to have you work with them to put them in touch with their guides. Yes, well, um, you can probably get a hold of me through the, the website I've got for my um, afterlife book, which is www.thehealingcirclebook.com. There's a place to email me and I will get the email and then we can go from there. Okay, sounds like a great thing to do. Um, I'm sure that we'll be talking to you again and about, uh, I, I have people recycle back here with me about every four months. And uh, so I'd love to have you back on the show then and we'll figure out whatever topic is going to be uh, pertinent at the time, you know, four months from now, who knows what we'll be talking about. Truly. So, um, thank you again for joining me so very much. And uh, everyone out there listening to the show you know, do check out the website. Uh, all of the shows for two and a half years are at www.synergyconnectionradio.com. And um, you can um, do the podcast route. Uh, I do have, uh, I think I made 27 or 28 five-star reviews for Apple Podcasts. So now the show is considered new and notable. And so that's kind of exciting. And uh, we'll go from there. But uh, Thanks for listening, everybody, and go out there and make this your very best life. Thanks again, Candace, for being my guest. Thank you, Lucy. You are so welcome. Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one -on -one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.